evening, everybody. Guys, how you doing? Locked on Browns, episode 156. Uh, again, guys, uh, the support, it's been amazing. You know, some people told me, man, you, you just wait until you see the off-season shows. And the first thing I thought was, well, you know, January, it's going to be kind of slow, this, that, and the other thing. No games to talk about. Uh, it's, again, going to be the highest listened to month. Uh, as of right now, the listenership and downloads are up over 30% for the month of January. Guys, I cannot thank you so much for all the support you've been giving me. Look, I'm trying to do everything I can to put out good shows for you. Great guests. And look, you guys have responded. I really appreciate it. Uh, look, guys, only a few days away. I know it seems a little weird here. Uh, we've got trade talk, and you know, we've already had a trade. Some talk about where Kirk Cousins is going to end up. Seems really weird that this is all going on. We actually have a Super Bowl to play on Sunday. So, you know, maybe this is the new modern NFL. But that being that uh, being said, look, guys, you know it's still draft season. For us, this is where it's at. A lot of major picks have to be made between now and April 28th, 85 days away from that. Uh, joining us here this evening from the Athletic Detroit, uh, one of my favorite guys, you know, a big college football guy, big draft guy, you know, just a straight football guy in every sense of it, Mr. Chris Burke. Chris, thanks for joining us. How's the family? How's everything going, bud? Doing well. That's all we got. 85 days left. That's 85. it. 85. I tell you what, it's gonna, <laughs> you know, some days it's going to go by quickly and some days it's going to feel like 385. Yeah, right. that's true. That's always how it works. But yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Everything good at home? Yeah, doing well. A uh, few days down in Mobile. Now back here till the combine and uh, getting uh, covering the Lions up here. So waiting on the coach to finally show up. Uh, <laughs> so... I uh, got that to look forward to next week. Um, yeah, things are going well. Yeah, it is going to be kind of funny, you know, regardless of what the outcome is, you know, on Sunday, you know, that New England locker room, at least, the, you know, the coaches' room, just everybody's going to kind of veer away. You know, when are good, yeah. good or bad, it's, you know, just, you know, the end of at least what is that with the coaching staff. Uh, some thoughts on Mobile. Uh, you know, we're going to hit on a ton of players here today. You know, the experience, you know, how much time did you get down there? Did you? Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure you found a, time, a little time for some fun, right? <laughs> I mean, you got to. That's half the uh, reason to go down there is to get out at night after the practices. Uh, I got in on uh, late Monday night, so I was there in time for the weigh-in Tuesday morning and then uh, Tuesday, Wednesday practices. I stayed for the North practice Thursday afternoon and then took off after that one. It, it, it's always kind of funny. to The last practice of the week is like 30% attendance compared to the earlier in the week but uh so i got five of the six practices plus the weigh-in and uh the media day with all the players we got to interview all them and everything so it was good it's always uh you know you spend half your time watching and half your time kind of chatting up people and seeing what you can dig up and you know who you can run down and talk to so it's a it's they pack a it packs a lot into 72 hours however many hours you're down there but it's it's always worth it i think and they put on an they just put on such a great event. Yeah, and it's actually kind of funny. It was nice of them on Thursday to make sure they put the North practice as the first practice. Right, Because yeah. it was the South one. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure maybe everybody would have been pulling freight, freight you know, Wednesday night or early Thursday morning. Uh, but it was kind of you know, funny the way they staggered that around the two, which you can understand. I mean, you know, some people had some thoughts about it. But, look, you, know, you want to fit what everybody wants to see, and I think you know, they always do a great job with that. Uh, first place we're going to go here today. Uh, give me some Chris Berg favorites from this class. This is one thing I like to let, you know, we always have our guys, you know, and it may not be a top guy. It could be day three guys. Everybody always has a couple guys from a class that, you know, they kind of cling to. I know last year I beat you up a lot over Delano Hill from Michigan, who I love. So <laughs> yeah. I was always hitting you up on him. But go ahead, a couple of Chris Berg favorites for the uh, 18 class. All right. Uh, well, I, I 
have it's been pointed out i have my big board uh, my newest big board up uh today a few hours before we're talking here and i it was pointed out to me how much higher i had jalen samuels than everyone <laughs> else seems to have him so i'll throw him on my list i didn't necessarily know i was claiming him as a guy i thought everyone sort of had a, a fairly high opinion of him but i uh, to me he's sort of I, I mean i think late round one early round two is the type Offensive of weapon yeah, I mean, I had him at running back in the Cedar Bowl. I thought he looked pretty good down there. I thought he did a nice job with pass protection. He's He did run the ball at NC State, so it's not foreign to him to kind of find those holes. But, you know, he's a guy that can play physical. And really, at, they put him when they moved him around and had him running routes, he was one of those guys that was really almost impossible for linebackers and safeties to cover. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's on the list. There's another Senior Bowl guy, Durham Smythe, the tight end from Notre Dame. Uh, who I've got kind of hovering in my top five at that position, and I just think it's really going under the radar right now. Is is sort of more the I guess more the classic kind of old school tight end than oh, than guys like yeah well, <laughs> right I know yeah it's you can almost barely even call some of these other guys tight ends these days, but um, yeah I mean I don't know that he's as much of a mismatch as uh, Mark Andrews or Dallas Goddard or one of those guys, but. He looked pretty good at the Senior Bowl running routes. He's just really, I mean, he looks like a, a vet. He looks like a guy who's been in the league for four or five years. Everything he does is just so solid. So um, I, I'll I'll claim him as well. Uh, I'll throw you a couple on defense. I mean, Harrison Phillips I think a lot of people love, but I, I think he's, to me, he's borderline top 20 in this class just because of how much disruption he provides inside. Um, and Darius Phillips, I guess I'm giving you four senior bowl guys, but Darius Phillips that got banged up at the senior bowl. But um, I, I just love his all around game, what he could do on special teams. You know, I, I mentioned, you know, sort of talking to people down there, trying to get a feel for players. He's, I don't think he's going to be a fit for every team. Uh, I think teams that play really aggressive man defense, maybe don't see him as the right guy for them, especially on the outside, but uh, just the athleticism sort of through the roof. So um I mean, there's a, you know, I could keep going, <laughs> but I'll, I'll stop with four for now. Uh, no, that's good. No, and Samuel's an interesting guy. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, catches the ball well. I mean, he can, you know, you know, I threw out, I was talking with one of the guys who I had down in, was down in Mobile last week, Pete Smith, almost kind of like a Larry Centers type of guy. Like, he's going to do a lot of things. And then Pete counterpointed, he was like, look, this is a guy that also saves you a roster spot because, yeah. you know, he can be plug and play you know, in numerous roles. You know, and plus the other thing is, you know, come Sundays, you know, as a defensive coordinator, you put a scheme together. You know, Jalen Samuels is well. I have no idea what he's going to do this week. You know, what what are they going to do with him? How do we game plan for him? You know, and that's you know starting to see what we see more and more. You know, and you know we see it. You know, obviously Andy Reid's done it. You know, Tyreek Hill with his you know twenty to thirty you know rushes per season. These type of guys, they're in vogue, and you know it's a copycat league. Everybody wants. You know, to bring something different, and you know, Jalen Samuels is definitely one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what he runs. I mean, I don't think he's a four-four guy by any means. So if he's in four-six range, that sort of tempers his value a little bit. But he was—I mean, he came in two twenty-three, just a little shade under six foot. So he's—I mean, he's a big guy. He's essentially almost an H back the way you can use him and. Uh, but like I said, I mean, I think you get put him on a team where they put him in a running back rotation. I think he can split out and play the slot, certainly. You know, he, maybe you move him around, play him at some tight end, and as you kind of move tight end and let him do some blocking even. Uh, I mean, I think he can hold up. I don't think he's going to be a, you know, he, he's not going to start moving 
defensive lineman out of the way at, at 220, but I think he's smart enough that he can pick up some of those blitzes and help you in the backfield too. So, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of a sucker for guys that can do that sort of stuff. And I mentioned Darius Phillips is sort of in that same vein. And just guys that, you know, you can throw out there in pretty much any situation and say, well, go make us a play, and and uh, they'll go out there and do it. And I, I really like him in this class. He's different than a lot of the other backs that we see in this class. And I think if he lands in the right spot, that's the that's the only concern. And that's a concern with, you know, pretty much all draft prospects, but especially a guy that might need a little bit of a specialized role, might need a little creativity. You know, you don't want him to go somewhere where he just sits as the number three back and he gets five carries a game. You want him on the field for, you know, 20, 25 snaps and move him around and see what he can do. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously you think Tennessee, you think Los Angeles Rams, you know, with, with younger guys on the offensive side of the ball, you know, he may have more value to teams like that. Uh, guys, locked on Patriots, Mark Schofield's doing a fantastic job, you know, it's enough to cover the Patriots. It's enough to cover a team going to the Super Bowl. He still finds time to go down to Mobile. Uh, you know, they ask us at Locked On this, you know, four or five shows a week. I, I know these guys between him and the Locked On Eagles guys. You know, they're going to hit double digits this week just with all that they're trying to put out. So Locked On Patriots, Mark Schofield, good friend, uh, doing fantastic work. Go ahead and check that out this week, Chris. I'm going to go on over now. Obviously, the biggest question and. You know, Browns fans are already starting to lament, you know, maybe, oh, we can get Alex Smith. Oh, maybe Kirk Cousins, you know, and obviously Smith, you know, is going to head off to Washington. Cleveland was in on it, didn't work out. I think Kansas City was, A, number one, trying to be good to him because you do feel kind of bad when you draft a guy's replacement. And, you know, Alex did some really good things in Kansas City. It never panned out, obviously, come postseason. So they didn't maybe want to ship him off to an 0-16 team, or they probably didn't want to ship him off to the same division. You know, Kirk Cousins, they're going to not get these guys. And look, it's okay. That's the way it's going to work out. But there really is a really good quarterback class. So, you know, the Browns fans are really upset, which I don't get. But look, you know, you've got a young group here. So go get the quarterback to go with that young group. I think there's three guys in play realistically for number one. Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, you know, Lamar, as much as I love him, I, I, you know, I don't think anybody's going to invest that high in him, and it's a shame because I, I think with the right system and creativity, he could be, some, he's going to be something special. I'm not going to get into the other guy, the quarterback. Uh, he, he was down in Mobile. I, I just can't anymore. I, I feel terrible for the kid. I do. I just feel bad for him. But that being said, uh, the top three. Give me a couple thoughts on each guy, and if I'm putting you on the spot, and you have to draft, and this will fit in a little mini mock we do later. You have to draft one overall, and you're the Cleveland Browns. Which quarterback are you bringing there? Yeah, I mean, it, it is going to be really interesting. And I think it's Darnold and Rosen, even you just look at size, you just look at the type of quarterbacks that they are, and you can sort of you see a lot more, I guess, just the on-paper similarities than Baker Mayfield. And, and that's why I think Baker Mayfield still has uh, NFL scouts kind of confounded to some extent because, you know, you – you see the height, and you see that he, he like not necessarily even likes to get out and run, but is just so good with his feet, and you kind of pencil him in. You, you just just pigeonhole him in that, you know, dual threat rushing quarterback when that's not really what he is. Um, but those, are, I think you're right. Those are the top three. I mean, I, I mentioned I think Josh Allen's gonna is going to be a great investment for uh, for a team that you know, has some time to spend with him because the talent's there. But those top three, yeah, I mean, I think Darnold's, uh, Darnold's obviously got a big arm. He's a big guy. He can move around a lot. I think you saw that just his offensive line was just so bad this year at USC and right on through the bowl game. 
that so much of what he did was kind of off script and can create on the move and, and make some of those tough throws when he's on the run. And, and so that's certainly part of his upside, just what he already can do there. Rosen's more of your, I guess, kind of your classic pocket guy. Um, I, I mean, I think he's great. He's got a great arm, great touch, gets the ball out quickly, uh, isn't afraid to throw guys open, which I think is important. We always see guys, you know, it's not necessarily enough to have just the good arm and the good mechanics and everything, especially in the NFL. You've got to throw the ball before you see that guy come open, and I think he's been willing to do that throughout his career. You know, you wor- worry a little bit, I guess, about what, how much he develops against pressure and how much he can create outside the pocket. You don't see him do as much of that as some of the other guys, but he's just so good in the pocket, and and I, I think you'll hear a lot of people say he's probably the most NFL-ready of the group. Mayfield, to me, though, is not getting enough credit for being NFL-ready. Uh, you know, I, I think he does hesitate sometimes on some throws, but really what's special about him is you know, just the way he kind of manipulates defenses with his eyes. I think it's it's really advanced for a guy coming out of college, how well he can do that. And then you add in a pretty good arm and good accuracy to all spots of the field and the mobility, you know, what he can do with his legs. If you want to run some design runs for him, go ahead and do that. And certainly he can hurt teams that don't have uh, a really good pass rush or don't have a spy on him. So um, more of the all-around threat. But, I mean, there's – it. it it deserves to be a discussion because I think there's an argument for all three of those guys. Yeah, the one thing, and, and obviously with Josh Rosen, and this goes back to you know Peyton Manning after going home to his dad after his rookie year. Oh man, nobody's open. And you know, his dad, well, you, you got to learn to find the spot. You got to throw him open. This type of thing. Um, you know, Rosen. Look, he's he's the guy for me. I think it's that simple. You know what you saw. It was. It's just that simple. Sam Darnold. You know, the, me- the mechanics get sloppy, and Ryan McChrystal I had on a couple nights ago, and he brought up a great point, is is when you're nervous about your offensive line and your mechanics can be an issue, you're going to fall back into, you know, what is your problem? Because, you don't, you know, you're more worried about, am I going to get killed, as opposed to whether or <laughs> right. not I'm standing upright, are my feet where they're supposed to be, you know, is my elbow high enough? So you're going to fall back into your bad habits. Um, with Baker, you know, you made up a great point with that, and I think the thing is, is he, he knows how to find the passing lane. The touchdown pass, and I bring it up a couple times here on the show now, in the Rose Bowl, the, the touchdown pass late in the game to Flowers, he almost had himself outside the left tackle, brought himself back inside and created the lane, and it was just a perfect ball. If Baker Mayfield, if he was even an inch taller, I think this was over, and it was over a long time ago, he would be the number one pick in the draft. And you can wash away. Like Some people have painted the picture of him already and painted him as a bad guy which is just terrible because it, it, it doesn't seem even close to the truth. So, you know, it's tough. But for me, yeah, from my choices, Josh Rosen, uh, from everything I hear, everything I read, it seems Sam Darnold is the leader in the clubhouse at this point. So it's going to be interesting to go from there. Uh, but, Chris, wide receivers, you know this is where I get very, <laughs> very excited, the old wide receiver in me. Um, it's an interesting group this year. And, look, we're never getting back to that 2014 group where it was like, look, Here's the number one wide receiver. Here's the number one wide receiver. And it just kept going and going and going with a bunch of names. I think this year it's kind of defined in you have you know, you know, have your yak guys who run good routes and get you yards after the catch. It seems we've got a whole bunch of guys who got cut from the college basketball team. They weren't good enough small forwards, but are really good at the wide receiver position at 6'4", 6'5", type of guys. Uh, highlight a couple of guys here. You know there's one guy I'm going to want to bring up here. But give me some thoughts. Uh, you know, and for me, number one, I, 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 I don't know how it's not 
and normally sometimes I use age as an issue, but in this class I can't with Calvin Ridley. I, I think he is heads and shoulders above the rest. I know some guys showed a little bit well in Mobile, but go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I mean, Ridley's still my number one guy, and uh, yeah, like you said, the age, I, I think, I'm sure will come up a little bit as we move forward here. I just think he's so... Uh, I, I sort of gravitate, I think everyone, to some extent, gravitates towards guys coming out that are they're really polished and look like they, they have understand the nuance of that position. You know, I always think back the, the recent example for me is always Keenan Allen and just how sharp he was with his routes coming out of college, how well he set up every, you know, he could get to the inside because he'd set up the outside and vice versa. And so everything was always, he wasn't always open, but it always looked like he was open because of the routes he ran. And, you know, I don't think Ridley is, is necessarily, uh, at the same level of a of a route runner, because I, like I said, I think Keenan Allen's sort of the the prime example in my mind of the last few years. But I think he is really good at those things. And you mentioned the yards after the catch coming, especially coming from an outside receiver. I think Ridley's going to give you that, and he's got some speed and some some shimmy once he's got it in his hands to make some plays. So uh, to me, he's definitely number one. Um, I know your guy, uh, like your guy a lot, and I asked you if you know I asked you a couple weeks ago to kind of talk me out of Auden Tate because I feel like he's getting overlooked a lot in this class. Um, Mm -hmm. But you just look at what he's already done and the body control and what he can do in the air. And then you kind of see down the road what he could be. I mean, I I don't know if people are just sort of uh, looking too closely at, at maybe the the flaws are looking at where he is now, but I think you see him. A lot of it now. A lot of people want to bring up the stats, and he didn't do enough. Sure. Of this. And and look, and he ended up playing with a true. This should have been the breakout year, but he ended up stuck with a true freshman quarterback. Yeah, and that that always and that's that's always got to be part of the conversation when you, especially if you're going to go straight off the stats. You know, what was the circumstance around uh, how a guy played? But to me, he's. Uh, right now, I've got him top five in this class, and I think he's, you know, you just see what he can do, the athleticism in the air and all those things are, are so impressive. So um, he's in there. I mean, Cortland Sutton's still up there for me. Uh, Christian Kirk is up there for me. The guy that really blew me away in Mobile, and I think uh, several people felt this way, was James Washington uh, because I knew he was good. I knew he could get downfield, uh, get over the top of defenses. I didn't realize, and maybe he's just gotten better over the last – month whatever it is but i didn't realize how good he was off the line of scrimmage and how uh quality his releases were and and watching him i just don't really know how you go about covering him because cornerbacks that tried to press him he kind of burned him with footwork and then he had the speed and if you play him off he just goes underneath and gets the yards after the catch they moved him in the slot for a few routes and he was just blowing past the slot guys there so uh, I mean, uh, he looks like he could be. We've seen a lot of guys come into round one that have that that deep threat and can really be game breakers. And I think he's he's in that mix too. So I, I mean, I'm with you. I think it, you, I look down, you know, ten, fifteen deep and see guys that can step in and contribute their first year. Uh, well, the, uh, the first one, you know, with, with Tate, the thing is, is if he's out there and he's going vertical, how can you expect one guy to handle it? And that alone. You know, if you're planning offensively, is a win. I mean, because the thing is, is you know, he is a long strider. Obviously, time speed we're going to be curious of, but he's been shown the ability to get deep. He got deep on Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, you know, North Carolina State. He had nine catches for 138 yards and a touchdown in 22 minutes, and that's when he initially suffered the uh, suffered the shoulder injury. 22 minutes. He had nine for 138, 
And that was with NC State with that ridiculous defensive line that dominated that game. But that's what he had done at that point in that game. So he's going to be interesting in that fact. You know, still put up 10 touchdowns this season. Obviously, in a very, very limited role the second half of the season, you know, it was, you know, he'd you know, take a couple of reps, have to sit for six or seven, get himself, you know, right to get in there, take some more reps because the arm was hurting him. Uh, but I, I do want to go back to James Washington. Uh, it started off, obviously, you know, with the measurements. And, you know, I'm always going to chuckle when a guy comes in more than two inches shorter than what he was <laughs> right. listed at. You know, it's a joke. It's like, well, dude, you, you can't run from this from ever. Eventually, somebody's going to legit measure you. But then the hands checked out. The arm length checked out. And he was like, all right. But like you said, you know, he had this reputation in Oklahoma State. And it's almost like, you know, from what you saw from the Senior Bowl week, you know, they have Aitman. They had Aitman, who was a big, you know, big, tall guy. And it was like, well, maybe he misused James Washington. But, I mean, his footwork was ridiculous because you saw him in nothing but vertical routes at, at Oklahoma State. And he just, I mean, he looked like a guy who had played in the league for three years and just decided to go down to Mobile, you know, maybe to help the defensive backs out. He was an absolute clinic. Uh, I do think he's probably got himself in a you know first round range. Obviously, everybody's going to want to see a forty time. But he just had a phenomenal week. You know, he was an interesting. You know, he, he was down there, and it was obviously a bunch of names that you know kind of around his peers. And he just kind of took the ball and ran with it. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton, another one, a guy at Penn State. And, you know, I had guys who were down in Tampa, who were also in Mobile. They were like, he was just kind of a guy here. But, I mean, maybe part of the Shrine thing is, you know, the quarterback play wasn't what it was. But he was another one. I mean, he was, you know, I mean, flipping guys' hips in the wrong way and making dudes look bad. And Michael Gallup, another one. Yeah, Michael Gallup had a really good week. And I, I think I coming in, I liked Michael Gallup and, and it sort of just verified what I had seen. And, again, when those that's some of the best stuff you get out of senior bowl week is just seeing these matchups of wide receivers, cornerbacks, and, uh, Michael Gallup was really crisp in everything that he did, and it was at all levels of the field because he, you know, he was making catches coming back, he was making catches going across the middle, and he certainly was able to get deep on a few guys. So you like to see that. Um, Hamilton, I I was surprised by the separation that Deshaun Hamilton was able to get because it, it wasn't necessarily something that showed up a ton. I mean, I think that uh, he he kind of came in with a reputation of of like a possession receiver, you know, physical type guy. And uh, so I was surprised to see him be able to yeah, get that space against against some of the guys that were covering him. You know, he didn't finish every catch. He had some drops, and that's something uh, DJ Shark had the same problem from LSU where the routes were really good and he had some room and he just didn't reel the passes in. But, you know, if you were sort of looking for a guy who took a jump that week, I think Deshaun Hamilton um, – certainly was right in there and this again this just kind of goes back to this is just being a good class i mean dj moore is another guy he's sort of in that yeah. james washington vein i mean it's it's 511 or whatever but he's he's pretty rocked up and uh doesn't mind going into contested uh contested spaces and um can hurt you from a variety of spots and so you, i really i really do think uh it's a good class. Anthony Miller wasn't in Mobile. I think he's a really good receiver. I, I was impressed, too, with Alan Lazard from Iowa State. You know, you kind of look, I think it was Aaron Nagler, uh, who covers the Packers, tweeted yep. out, tweets out every year, um, don't tell me what a prospect can't do, tell me what he can do. Absolutely. And, and Lazard is a guy, you watch him, and he was just dominant in the red zone. And if that's all he does, great. You know, if that's all you're going to use him for, fine. If he's just going to be... Uh, a guy that gives you some mismatches um, when you need them, 
All right. Uh, and I think there are some of those guys, too. So if you need a wide receiver, I mean, I think they're going to be there into day two and day three where you can find someone who can step in and help. Yeah, and the thing with DJ Moore is, is he kind of won in every which way. I mean, you know, a little smoke route, you know, the bubble screens. He was able to get deep at times. Uh, you know, if you, you know, maybe if you look at DJ Moore, you know, maybe this is what everybody thought Tavon Austin could be. You sure. know, that type of guy. You know, so he was really impressive because I went deep on him uh, this week because, you know, I was told to and I just saw the name exploding. And, it was, you know, and you know me, sometimes I get a Big Ten bias, Chris. I'm not, you know, so much <laughs> into it. But, I mean, literally blew me away. He's he's the Maryland of the ACC days, not the Maryland of the Big Ten days. And his quarterbacks were bad, too. I mean, and he, put up, he put up numbers anyway, and I think that's a testament. Uh, to some extent, it's a testament to the coaching staff there being able to get him the ball. But certainly when you see a guy get to 1,000 yards and they're with, uh, I mean, I don't even know how deep down their depth chart they went. But they went at least four deep in the quarterbacks, uh, and he was still making plays. So that's... That certainly stands out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they were also to the point where they were, you know, picking off the top intramural guy on campus. <laughs> uh, guys, Locked On Eagles, Michael Kiss, Benjamin Solik. Uh, you know, look, like I've been saying, I'm going to pump these shows all week. You know, these guys, you know, they're doing great work. They're excited as heck. Both of them went down to Mobile, did a bunch of work down there trying to cover the draft and covering their teams. Obviously, you know, coming off NFC Championship win. Uh, Locked on Eagles, uh, you know, I think they're up to like nine shows already. It's Wednesday. The game is until Sunday. So check out Michael Kist, Benjamin Solick, the Locked on Eagles show. Guys are really working hard, putting out fantastic content. You want anything Super Bowl-wise, Locked on Patriots, Locked on Eagles, they got you covered. Now, Chris, uh, a couple things before we let you go. Normally, it's kind of hard to have a guy come on and say, oh, well, you know, mock the first four picks for my team. <laughs> but you want to know what? The Cleveland Browns have picks one Four, thirty-three, thirty-five. It's a lot easier to do that in this scenario for them. Uh, look, uh, you know, it, it, they changed the, obviously major front office changes. Hopefully, they've kind of told Hugh, guess what? We got this part. Okay, don't you don't need to worry about players. Don't we don't need your two cents. You just coach what we give you. Here's your offensive coordinator. Be happy you're still here. Yes, I, I do mean that. Be happy you're still here, Hugh. Because it is Hugh Jackson Day, one in thirty-one. Um, so, Chris, uh, <laughs> you, this is the first you heard of it. Uh, yeah, I guess yeah. so. I, I like I, it though. I appreciate. it. I do it. feel kind of bad because it's the Bell Let's Talk Day, you know, on social media, which is an important, important day. So I kind of sure. felt bad that they did that, but you know, I do get the joke, and I do love a good joke. But Chris, one four thirty-three thirty-five. Cleveland's been just accumulating young talent over the years. It's gonna be a you know. You have to be blind not to bring in a bunch more great talent here. Give me some names. If it were you, one, four, thirty-three, thirty-five. Yeah, well, I mean, we kind of hit on what I think is happening at one. I mean, I, I do at this moment. If I were guessing, I would guess Darnold, as everyone else seems to be guessing. And I'm with you. I would take Rosen. Um, you know, so it's funny that it seems to be the consensus from everybody. It's going to be yeah. Darnold, but I would take <laughs> right. Yeah, I, and I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it will end up being Rosen. I, I sort of just think back to the times we've heard Hugh Jackson talk about what he likes in the quarterback position. What they and, need to do is, because I think their problem is is they're not sure what kind of guy he's going to be. Take Miles right. Garrett, who said last year, yeah, Dallas would be fabulous. Take Miles Garrett. Take some of these young guys. Sit down with him and talk with him. Dude, you got a chance to be – I mean, if Josh Rosen wins – 13 games in his first two years as Browns quarterback, 
He's LeBron for God's sake. <laughs> and I, I and that's why I think it's it's tough to pin it down right now because they haven't had uh, you know exactly. a little bit Senior Bowl, but they right. haven't had Darnold and Rosen. You know they haven't had their time with them. Haven't had pro days. Haven't had the workouts. So we'll see. And I also think that's why people to some extent are are trending in the Darnold direction because I think there's this anticipation that he'll be better in those meeting rooms than Josh Rosen will be. So we'll see how that actually plays we'll out. Talk, uh, we'll talk the talk. Yep. You're right. So either way, quarterback at one, I guess take your pick. Like I said, I'd, try, I'd go Rosen, and then I'd go Mayfield second, and then I'd go Darnold third, but they might flip that uh, order around. Um, four for me, I mean, just assuming that you know two is a quarterback, which – I'm 75% sure it'll be a quarterback. Um, and then three, you know, the Colts could trade out. Maybe they'd take Chubb there. Um, I'd take Minka Fitzpatrick at four if he's around. And I know you've had a lot of conversations, <laughs> probably on here too, but on Twitter about yeah. which position he's going to be. Uh, and my answer to that is I don't care. Just get him on the roster and we'll figure it out. Exactly. Uh, I mean, look, if you have, if you, even if you have 17 guys on defense and you love them all, as a defensive coordinator, now you're playing games. He can yeah. play cornerback. He can blitz. He can play deep free safety. You know, I, I don't think he's Jalen Ramsey. And, and the thing with Jalen Ramsey that I had a problem, you know, like I loved him at safety. But the problem I had is is NFL scouts got a full year and front office and personnel got a full year of watching him play corner. And that's maybe what solidified it for him. There is not, you know, 375 reps of Minka Fitzpatrick playing quarterback. And I, I mean, and I'm fine keeping him at safety. I think Absolutely. he's a great safety. <laughs> I don't, and, and to some extent, I mean, if you're going to get a Ramsey, sure, you put him out there, let him lock down a side of the field, that's great. But if, if he's even a little bit shy of that, I mean, there's no harm in leaving him at safety, knowing what he can do from there, knowing how how well he reads the game and how quick he is and his instincts. I mean, everything's there for him to be a really, really good safety in the NFL. So uh, I think you just if he's there at four, you've gotten a quarterback at one. I think you make that pick and and move on. All right. So that brings us to the second round. And the other thing that sells me and, you know, know, Nick Saban, if Nick Saban says this is you know the guy I think I may love the most that I've had. Yeah, I want some of that. I, I want in, sure. you know? Yeah. Espe- right, so. Yeah, right. And especially for a defensive back. I mean, Nick Saban, I think that's a spot where you can really – I mean, there, I know that there's a, there's a, been a little bit of a stigma about Alabama guys going to the pros, but defensive back's a spot that Nick Saban has a pretty good grasp on. So if he's <laughs> if he's loving Fitzpatrick, um, I, I think you can follow suit there. Yeah. Uh, 33, yeah. 35, Chris. 33 – I almost want to pick your brain and see how likely it is they would take a running back at 33. I think it's going to be that way. Uh, I think they don't view Duke Johnson as a guy who's ever going to see, you know, you know, running back reps. I think they view him as a good receiver and a guy that they can spot with, you know, spot with the ball. So, you know, I know who I want here, and I have my hashtag already set up. But go ahead, Chris. Pick 33. Well, I, just based on the last mock draft I ran through and who's there, um, I've got Sony Michelle in there. I don't know if he's that guy you're looking for. Bring I mean, that I, dog to the pound. <laughs> I think there's a lot. I, there's and, the hashtag. One of the reasons that you 
I mean, I think you get it out of day one, so you have less of a commitment to some extent to the running backs. But I also think that's going to be a position where there's just great value relative to the rest of the board at that spot. Because I think we're going to see, even if Barkley stays top 10 and Geist stays top 20, that might be it for round one. I wouldn't be shocked if there's just two running backs in round one. I mean, maybe a third or four slips in late, but you know, I think you're probably looking at having some talent there. And I think Sony Michelle is just... Uh, just what he can do inside and outside. It's the type of guy you can really use as a number and, one back. And was, That's more, I have three. was more of a receiver in his early early part of his career. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a really good I, – I love Nick Chubb, and I think Nick Chubb has every right to be in round one too, but uh, I think Sony's – shouldn't fall much further than that. So yeah, that's why I have the toughest part with Nick, though, it's going to be medicals, and that stuff doesn't get leaked. You know, how is the knee? Because it's going to be come down to, well, he has X amount of years. Like the JIA thing, you know, which got proven to kind of be wrong, but, you know, that, that it, it weighs a lot in Indy. And then one more pick here, Chris, at, at 35, but I've got to tell you, I'm loving this first three. Well, 35, I've sort of got two contingencies depending on whether you're using Fitzpatrick as a safety or a cornerback because oh, if you're yeah. using him as a safety the guy who went last night yep he he, he doubled down and I, I can't disagree <laughs> obviously uh Greg Williams had his issues you know with what he thought of his cornerback play towards the end of the year because when you can't find the cornerback on a 40 inch screen while you're watching the game you know you've got yourself a guy who's a little concerned about him yeah so I've if you're using him at safety I have two names here I have Mike Hughes and Isaiah Oliver both down here um, and that's, you know, just sort of trying to figure out who's going to be there towards the tail end around one. I mean, I think Denzel Ward, Josh Jackson, our first rounders, I think Jair Alexander is going to sneak into that first round. If and he then, tests well, because he yeah, still, it, right, right, right. If he tests well, like if he's, seems like he, then, yeah, people forgot about him a little bit. Uh, the knee was an issue for him. So again, back to the medicals, but so the cornerback, the, the other way I think would be interesting to go. And again, talking about value here, um, I think there's going to be a, a little run on offensive tackles in this range. Uh, and I think Chiguma Okorafor will, will be there. I think Tyrell Crosby could be there from Oregon, who's a guy I know teams, and the Browns don't necessarily need a guard, but he's the guy that teams are talking about maybe starting off at guard, playing at left tackle eventually. Uh, and so, I mean, at some point you've got to put into full gear the Joe Thomas replacement plan, and I think well, either of those because it, be. it's the purple elephant in the room right now. Is Joe coming back? Because I mean, he seems really thrilled with what he's doing. Um, you know, I know he's not going to leave the Browns over a barrel. He's just not that kind of guy. But you know, right now, I mean, it, it's a fifty-fifty thing. He could end up just saying, "Look, I think I've had enough." Yeah, and I think Crosby to me is a guy who's going to play. Like I said, he might start off at guard. I think he can play left tackle long-term in the NFL. Uh, and it's just going to be value because I think Jermarco Jones will be there, who from Ohio State is just – I mentioned this the uh, road in, up in the big board. I don't understand how a guy who started it for Ohio State can slide under the radar like that. But, you know, I think there's going to be some tackles available. And if you're you're getting three impact guys at, you know, one four thirty three, I think maybe then you can turn your attention to a little bit of building – Obviously, this is all building for the future, but building for not, maybe not even a guy who's necessarily going to start for you, but someone that you're going to need uh, on the on the depth chart and someone that can be a starter in a year or two, and and that's a good spot to be in to find some of those guys too. Yeah, well, I mean, you have seven picks in the top ninety-seven, so you know it's okay that if you draft an insurance policy, uh, Spencer Drago, who played you know okay. 
Um, but, you know, he's not a guy you were going to say, you know, we're going to put him out there for the next five years at left tackle. Uh, Chris, I'll give you this one here. Look, yeah, I know you're Detroit Lions. Uh, look, give me your dream guy, round one. If you can peg one guy into that spot, what do you think is the Lions' biggest need and the name that would fill it in round one? Well, I, I think they absolutely the, – the defensive line was a disaster this year. Um, and, and some of that was that Haloti Nana got hurt, but not all of it. And they really didn't have any consistent and no, pressure. And no guarantees, you know, with Nana at his age that even if he comes back next year healthy, he's going to be the same guy he was. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the dream for them, I think certainly if, uh, you know, if, if they – this I was talking about this earlier because I think they're in an interesting spot. They're that first team that didn't get into the playoffs, so I think we're going to see how close Bob Quinn thinks this roster is. Because if one of these elite guys slips to like nine, ten, you know, if Bradley Chubb's there, if Quentin Nelson's there, they need a left guard. Oh, maybe they maybe they go school. up and Quentin, get him. Quentin went to my high school. Oh yeah, oh. yeah. That's a good. Uh... Best part is this: <laughs> everybody at my high school tells me he is a better guy than he is a football player. I mean, he's like the perfect prospect. <laughs> uh, so, and that's what I mean. If it, one of those guys is there, maybe you say, that, all right, that's the missing piece, you go up. I think if they sit at 20, just looking at sort of where the this this draft has strengths, I think uh, defensive tackle is probably going to be their best spot. Uh, and really, they could use, I mean, you look at Hurst, Vitavea, Harrison Phillips, Deron Payne. I mean, I think you kind of go down the list. Those first four, maybe even five names all could help out. Um, it's tough for me sort of nitpicking between Vea and Hurst. I think they're different guys. And, and it's uh, tough for you. There's a Michigan oh, well, guy there's that there. Too. I mean, I, I, I think and the reason I would lean towards Hurst is just because of the lack of edge, edge rushing they have. And they really need someone who can generate consistent penetration uh, from sort of that three-tech spot. And they, they just don't have that. You know, Ashawn Robinson was playing there. Akeem Spence was playing there. You know, I think you're probably better off moving Ashawn a little closer to the ball at times, letting someone else step in yeah, at three-tech and be your, you know, not your, you're not going to get an Aaron Donald, but be someone who can do those sorts of things and really disrupt an offense from that three-tech spot. So to me, um, you know, beyond the Michigan connection, <laughs> beyond uh, my uh, allegiance to him. I mean, I think Maurice Hurst would be a really good fit um, for this defense. But uh, if I was pegging one position, it would be defensive tackle. And uh, Harrison Phillips maybe a little a little less because I don't know um, that you'd use him really in that penetrating role as much, even though he had a bunch of sacks at Stanford. But uh, Vea, Hurst, I mean, if you get one of those two there, I think they'll they'd jump on him. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it is interesting. I I don't know that you can count on Nick Foles to do in the Super Bowl what he did uh <laughs> Right. Yep. 
Yeah, right. But I will say, I mean, Jim Schwartz can dial up a pretty good defense himself. Um, I, I just, you know, you look at that front, I think, again, just going back to uh, being able to win games by creating pressure and you got to get to Brady quick because you can get the ball out. You ideally have to get to him without blitzing a lot uh, because you need all those guys in coverage. And I think they have some, they obviously have some pieces up front that could disrupt them a bit. So I think it could take New England a little while to find uh, its timing. Um, and maybe... Maybe the Eagles can get something going. You would think they should be able to run the ball a little bit, which helps. I mean, the, the yeah, absolutely. You know, the Patriots, uh, they're all right in the front seven, but the, the linebackers aren't necessarily anything special. And, you know, they, they will give up some yards on the ground. So I think that that's, that's the way Philadelphia can win this game. But, uh, I mean, if I'm looking at a Super Bowl, Matt, you know, you, you don't want to boil it down to one position, but – you go back to that Brady versus Foles matchup at quarterback. I have a hard time picking Nick Foles in that if it's cl- especially, you know, if it's into the fourth quarter, if it's tight, you need a drive. I know which guy you would take in that situation. So uh I, I think the Patriots win, but I do think it's I think the Eagles are are right there. I think their defense is good enough. I think they'll get enough from the ground game. And as long as Foles just isn't terrible, I think they're in it right till the end. Yeah, and you, I, I think your point on Cox, and that's sort of what I was getting to, to even just thinking back to last year when Atlanta was in control of that game. Uh, obviously, they have a more explosive offense than Philadelphia has right now, but they took control of that game because Grady Jarrett dominated at the line of scrimmage. No one could block him on the inside, and, and people were getting to Brady and really disrupting the timing. As good as Brady is, it's really a very timing-based offense. You know, that ball's got to be out quick. He's not a guy that's going to beat you with his legs. You, they're they're not going to necessarily have five, six, six seconds, seconds to, to, to throw, throw passes. passes. So, so if, if you, you can, can get beat their linemen off the snap, uh, you definitely have a chance to disrupt them. And, and it happened again, you know, last week or two weeks ago with Jacksonville. Um, so I think Philadelphia can, can be in there. I wouldn't be surprised if Philadelphia has a chance to close it out in the fourth quarter, but they need to have the run game. They need to win with that pressure on the interior. And I think Foles is going to have to hit at least two or three big plays. You know, maybe he doesn't throw a lot. Maybe he only throws 15 passes, but two or three of those are going to have to be downfield shots to Jeffrey or whoever else is going deep uh, because they're they're not going to. 
it, it's Patriots defense lets you kind of nickel and dime your way down the field, but at some point they seem to put their foot in the ground, force a turnover, force you into a long fuel or something. Uh, if you're going to score touchdowns, I think it's going to have to be on big plays. So uh, can Foles find you know two or three of those over the course of the game? Uh, we're running deals, uh, pretty consistently. I mean, I think right now we're at, uh, 40% off as a little, because the Detroit one at least is 40%. <laughs> if you go through the Detroit sites, 40% off as a little Blake Griffin arrival celebration. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's always deals running. It's, uh, you can usually find at least 25% off and, uh, yeah, it is, you know, three, four bucks a month, no ads, uh, no videos to kind of mute every time you go on. And <laughs> so hopefully if people, and like, and hopefully the content's uh, good enough. You're not just getting uh, the Detroit site. You know, it's everything. So hopefully, people that have subscribed have enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm, I'm here, man. I'm here. <laughs>